S-E-O. Or for you, is it more like S-E-O? No. (laughs) SEO or search engine optimization. You hear this acronym all the time. You see ads for it. You likely get spammed about it. But what does it really mean for your business? Well, for starters, SEO is the beast that you need to slay if you want your website to be found in a deep, dense sea of websites and algorithms. And best case scenario, your website will be seen and it will rank high with Google so that it doesn't end up on page three of the Google search results where all websites go to die. If you're already feeling lost, don't worry. By the end of this episode, you will not only fully understand what I just said, but you'll also have an action plan to improve it. SEO is one of those topics. I've covered it before on the show, but its importance isn't going away anytime soon. Think of it like this. Your website is your car, and SEO is the gas that you put in it. So if you haven't been gassing up your website, this is your friendly reminder that your online assets can only go as far as you fuel them. And I would say by now, you're likely ready for a top up. I thought so. The Google algorithm ranks our pages with over 200 different criteria, and trying to nail all of those would totally be a full-time job, and I already know you've got way more important things to do. So that's why my guest, Danielle Gagnon, is here today to give it to you straight and tell you what SEO actions will actually move the needle in your business, how you can rank ahead of your competitors online, what you should be focusing on when it comes to SEO, and what you can ignore. Danielle is an SEO ninja obsessed with helping small business owners turn their passions into profits online. Danielle is the founder of The Content Cash Machine, a five-day online SEO bootcamp for entrepreneurs where she helps business owners learn how to grow their business online through simple, actionable search engine optimization strategies. And today, she's breaking it all down for you in a super digestible way. So by the end of this episode, you will have a clear game plan, a simple, effective strategy, and easy action steps you can take to get your page seen by the people who you want to see it. So are you ready? Let's dive into your SEO strategy right now. You're listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic is too small. Around here, we believe that taking imperfect action rules. So we're creating space for you to dive in and fast track your success one workshop at a time. Now, refill your coffee cup, grab your notebook, and get ready to join in on your weekly training, listen to meaningful conversation, and learn from industry experts. Here's your host, Kelly Lawson. Hello, Danielle. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to chat with you today all about SEO. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. So why don't we start with learning a little bit about you? What brought you to becoming the SEO guru that you are today? (laughs) That's a great question. So I, I will try to tell this succinctly. (laughs) because I can talk about this stuff forever. But I started my career in journalism. I've always loved to write. 
I always knew that I wanted to be a writer in some form. And so journalism seemed like sort of a concrete writing career path where I could get a job and do what I enjoyed doing. And I did that for a few years, but like a lot of journalists before me, I realized it pays nothing and is really hard work. (laughs) So (laughs) So I wanted to find a new way to take those writing skills and work with them. And I fell into the marketing world. And, you know, it was great. I liked it a lot more than I liked journalism, but I was still kept finding myself just not happy with the nine to five life. And so I did what a lot of people do where I started a blog and I thought that it was going to bring me fame and fortune and (laughs) I'd be able to quit my job (laughs) and life would be grand. And it just didn't happen that way. In fact, my blog, basically my mom read it and my grandmother read it and like my mother-in-law read it for the longest, (laughs) for the longest time until one day when I put up a post and it suddenly got all kinds of traffic and I was so confused. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know. I thought my stats were broken. Honestly, I didn't believe what I was seeing. And then I dug into my stats a little bit more and realized that all of the traffic was coming from Google. And I was like, okay, I need to understand what's happening here. And what I figured out was that basically, I just happened to write that post in a way that was really good for SEO. I didn't really know anything about SEO at the time. But that experience made me want to learn a ton about it. And I ended up going on to having an SEO role in an e-commerce company. That was the last nine to five job that I had before I started my business. And it was that job where I really honed my skills and learned just how powerful of a skill search engine optimization really is. So when I started my business, I knew that I wanted to focus on that and really help other businesses with SEO, but also teach entrepreneurs how to do search engine optimization for themselves. Because I just think it's such a valuable skill. Totally. And it's one of those things that I think is so often overlooked because we forget sometimes how people come upon us on the internet. And nowadays, that's really how most people are finding us. And I'll speak for myself. I often write the way that I speak. And that's not always the best approach I've learned. So can you talk to me a little bit about what it is that you specifically do for your clients to give listeners a little bit of a better idea of what that looks like day to day? Yeah, absolutely. So if I'm working with a client one-on-one where I'm doing like done-for-you SEO services, it always starts with an audit of their site. So I'm going in, looking at how their site is performing so far, seeing you know which pages are getting a lot of traffic. Where are they ranking in Google? Are they already on page one of Google for their primary keywords? Are they buried on page five where no one is ever going to find them? So just sort of figuring out the lay of the land, how they're doing so far. And then we do a bunch of research. So research into who their customers or clients really are, why they might be searching for them, how they might come across them online. A lot of times people assume that people are finding their business because they're like typing their business name into Google. And the vast majority of people, that's not how they're finding you. They're searching for what it is that you offer or what it is that you do. And then they're finding you that way if you're showing up in search results. So just doing that research to figure out what people are actually searching for online. And then we go in and we actually update their website content. 
So most of the time, this is a common misconception. A lot of times people avoid this because they think they're going to have to rewrite their whole website and that it's going to be this whole ordeal. The majority of the time though, I'm just going in and I'm figuring out places where we can tweak the wording to better optimize it for search. I'm generally not rewriting entire websites. Sometimes I'm helping them create new content in addition to what they already have. But usually it's just pretty simple tweaks to their existing content that can make a really, really big difference for them. I love that. So tell me what your clients are experiencing after things are tweaked. What changes come from improving your SEO? Yeah, so I've worked with a lot of different clients in a lot of different industries. The, the clients that I love working with the most, primarily because they tend to see the best results from search engine optimization, are locally based businesses. So businesses that serve a specific geographic area. So typically they're service based. So like landscapers, plumbers, roofers, contractors, medical professionals like chiropractors, therapists, people like that tend to have a really big impact from SEO. Because if you think about if you're looking for a service like that in your area, the average person, unless they already know someone or they have a friend who they know just use that kind of service, they're going to head to Google and they're going to search for what they need. So I have one client who came to me because she wasn't really getting any business from her website. She was really only getting referrals or some clients from social media. But she wasn't really getting any business from her website. So I've worked with her for about a year and a half. About six months into working with me, her new season started. She was a landscaper. And a few months into that season, she actually asked me if there was a way to turn off the contact form on her website because she was so overwhelmed by the number of inquiries. Mm -hmm. That's a good problem. (laughs) It is, right? We didn't turn it off. I helped her set up like an automated response system and she hired another employee. So she had amazing, amazing results and changed nothing else really in her business. I had another client who went from being buried on like page three of Google, which is where websites go to die. (laughs) (laughs) Page three or further. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) And she'd been in business for 20 years. She was well-respected in her field, but people just weren't finding her online. And now she is the top ranked website, number one position on Google in her niche within her state. And she's, again, after 20 years, has been able to significantly grow her business. Amazing. So you mentioned something that piqued my interest because you said she wasn't getting any referrals from her website or any traffic or business from her website, but maybe a handful of things from social media. Tell me a little bit about how SEO applies to other platforms. Does it matter if you're using search engine optimization friendly language in social media? Is it searchable as well? That's a good question. It's a question people often have. My answer is that it's always good to use search engine friendly language. It doesn't always have a huge impact, but a lot of times you will, if you search for your business online, for example, a lot of times you will see your Facebook page, your Instagram page show up in those search results. So it never hurts. My recommendation would be to focus on your actual website first. But at least in terms of your Instagram profile or your Instagram bio, your Facebook page description, things like that absolutely can use those terms that you think people might be searching for online. It never hurts to do that. 
Okay, good to know, because I know that we don't always treat these things equally, and I know social media isn't necessarily a search engine either, but they do appear there. So mm-hmm, exactly, if possible, apply all of these techniques across the board. So let's talk more about the techniques. I know that you've developed somewhat of a system for your clients so that it's easy for them to understand. Can you share that with us now? Absolutely. So I have sort of a five-step system to getting found online. So before I jump into that, I always like to share sort of a basic definition of SEO because there's always some people who were like nine minutes in now being like, wait, what even is SEO? (laughs) I don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) So I have a colleague that likes to describe it as the digital art of being found. And I think that's so beautiful and I want to steal it for myself, but it's sort of her her phrase. (laughs) The less beautiful way that I describe it is that search engine optimization is a way of writing and structuring a website to naturally attract more of your ideal clients online. So in other words, I like to say that your website can and should be more than a pretty face. I think we all often spend so much time focusing on what our website looks like, which is certainly important. You want to have a beautiful professional website that people want to spend time on. But if no one is finding it, then it's just sort of sitting there looking good and not really working for you. And so I always want to make sure that people are realizing that your website can actually do some of your marketing for you. And if you focus on SEO, it can do it while you sleep. It can do it all the time. And yeah, it's just really, really powerful. So I will jump into the system. So step one, I mentioned this when I was talking about how I work with my clients, but step one is to know where you're at. You wouldn't go to a salon and get a makeover without taking a before picture, right? So you wouldn't work on your website without taking a before picture either. So you want to make sure that you know where your traffic stands now, that you know how much traffic you get, where that traffic is coming from. Are you getting traffic from Google already? Is it coming from social media primarily or referrals from other websites that are linking to your site? You want to know what the traffic is doing once it gets to your site. Is it staying? Are people looking at multiple pages? Are they looking at your homepage and then leaving? Is there a particular page on your website or a particular blog post on your website that's getting way more traffic than anything else? All of that is really important to know so that you have that good before picture. So as you work on your site, you have something to compare any improvements to. So is there a simple way for listeners to go ahead and find that information out? Yeah, definitely. So most website platforms will have basic analytics built into sort of your admin dashboard. How detailed they are will depend on where you've built your website. But all of the major website builders, whether you're using WordPress or Wix or Squarespace, anything like that will have some built-in stats. But I always like to recommend that people set their sites up if they haven't already with Google Analytics and Google Search Console. Those are my two favorite analytics tools. They're free to use. You'll have to set them up and then wait a month or so to get data populated within them. But they're really, really amazing tools for getting really detailed analytics on how your website is performing, both in search, but also how people are acting once they get to their website or once they get to your website, how they're 
navigating through your pages, how long they're spending on each page, all of that. Okay, so maybe we can provide a link to where people can go to get started with those tools. I think I'm pretty familiar with Google Analytics. And by pretty familiar, I know what it looks like. But sort of once you get a peek at the back end of that, it's a little confusing. So do you have any kind of here's where to look or here's kind of the first step to take once you've got that installed? Yeah, it can be very overwhelming. If you are brand new, I always recommend just at first, the first thing you can focus on is the overview tab. There's literally a a button you can click called overview. And that gives exactly what it sounds like. It gives you a nice overview of how much traffic you're actually getting to your site, how many of those people are returning viewers versus new viewers, how many people are leaving your site right away after landing there versus how many are staying how long people are spending on your site. It gives you a good breakdown of basic information. And then there's within your audience, you can look at demographics of these people, average ages, the locations they're coming from. So if you were a local-based business, that would be something good to look at. Because you want to make sure that your traffic is coming from people in the area you serve. If you're getting a lot of traffic, but it's from the other side of the country, then it doesn't really matter. So that can be an important tab to look at. But there are so many free tutorials out there. If you just Google, you know, Google Analytics tutorials, there's lots of really good basic rundowns on how to use Google Analytics. So step two is to know who you serve. So you need to know your clients or customers better than you know yourself. <laughs> you need to know who they are, what they care about, you know, their fears, their questions, their problems, specifically the problems that you solve. This is true for so many areas of business and SEO is included in that. All of these things, who they are, what they care about, what they're worried about, they all play a role in how they would search online and how they might find your website or your business online. So I'll use that long care company I mentioned in the beginning, the client who you know ended up having too many <laughs> inquiries and had to hire a new employee. She is an organic long care specialist. And so we figured out that her ideal clients, they maybe didn't realize that organic long care was even a thing. But they did know that they wanted their lawns to be safe for their pets and safe for their kids. And they knew that they didn't want to use pesticides. And so we created content around those search terms, pet safe lawn care, kids safe lawn care, pesticide free. And that was what worked really, really well and what helped her naturally attract those people who were online searching for those things, maybe not searching for exactly what it is that she offered. But when we created content that served their fears and their worries, that is when she started to get more of them finding her online. It makes so much sense. I know an example that I sometimes use, I have a course about product photography and I developed the course and named it and did all of these things and realized my potential students don't necessarily call it product photography. And so when I dug into who those potential customers were and the language that they used, well, it was too late. I'd already named the course, but they were using terms like, you know, I want to take a photo that's not fuzzy. I want to take a photo that's website worthy. And these were terms that I'd never, not only had I never used, but I'd never heard before. And 
it's just so important. It's one of those things that I said earlier that's often overlooked, but it's so important because people were missing me altogether with the term product photography. So it's an important step to not skip. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And that actually ties in perfectly with my next step which is to do your research. And in this case, I mean, keyword research. So before I jump into this, I'll quickly define keyword in case people aren't familiar with that term. A keyword is literally just a word or phrase that you might use on your website and that a Google searcher would type into the search bar of Google. So super, super basic. You want to be using the same keywords and phrases on your website that your ideal clients are using when they type into Google. You want those to match because that's how they're going to find you. And so the biggest mistake I see people make is similar to what you were talking about. It's so common. We talk about our businesses in certain ways. We talk about our offerings in certain ways. And a lot of times we just assume that the way we talk about them and the words that we use are the words that everybody uses. And they're just not always, right? Sometimes we use industry jargon. You know, we've been in the field for so long that the way we talk about something is just different than the average person who doesn't know much about it would talk about those things. So we can't just assume we know the words and phrases that we should be using on our website. The client that I talked about in the beginning who had been in business for like 20 years and was still able to significantly grow her business with SEO. I always like to use her as an example when I'm talking about the power of keyword research because she was a colon hydrotherapist, which for people who don't know is people who do like enemas and colonics. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fun field. <laughs> but she was using the phrase colon hydrotherapy all over her website to describe what she did. And I had no idea what that meant when she first came to me. I Googled it and realized, oh, she does enemas. That's what that is, which I had heard that phrase before. And so it took some convincing with her because she was very attached to the phrase colon hydrotherapy. But I had to show her like the average person does not know what that means. They're definitely not searching for it online and you're not going to reach people that way. And so once we started using words like colon cleanse, enema, colonic, that was when she started growing her business and seeing her business go up higher in search results because she needed to be speaking the same language uh, that her ideal clients were speaking. And I suppose you could take it a step further too because there's probably people who don't even know the word enema. And <laughs> I'm giggling because I'm like, oh, these are topics I never thought I'd discuss on I the know, podcast. Right? <laughs> but there would be people who wouldn't even know those terms that would only be typing in the problems that they're having too. Absolutely, yeah. We had a whole page on her site that had like a list of problems basically and how her service helps them for exactly that reason because you're exactly right. There's lots of people who knew they were having digestive issues but didn't know what might be able to help them. And so absolutely, yeah, we created lots of content around those specific problems that her ideal clients had. And so the whole point of this story is that the words you use matter and we can't just assume that we know the right words to use. So we need to actually do actual research on the keywords that people are using when they're searching on Google. So there are a bunch of different tools out there for keyword research. The most basic thing you could do if you're brand new to this and you want to just start with really, really basic keyword research, I always recommend people go to Google, 
start typing a word or phrase into the search bar. We've all seen this before. Google gives us predictive search, right? It gives us that drop down where it completes what it thinks we might be searching for. All of those terms are based on actual searches. So when you see something in that drop down, you can feel confident that Google is suggesting it because other people are searching for it. So that is like a super, super basic way to get some ideas of the words and phrases you can use on your website. But there's also lots of really great tools out there for actually getting data on keywords. So how many people are actually searching for this word or phrase every month? How competitive is it? So how many other websites are also trying to rank on the first page of Google for that keyword? And all of that information will help you, you know, find the words and phrases that are going to best reach your ideal customers, but also give you the best chance of ranking highly in Google. So some of my favorite tools, Google Keyword Planner is a great one. You do have to have a Google AdWords account. So if you don't have one already, you have to set that up. But it's a really great tool. And then I also really love one called Uber Suggest, which is U-B-E-R Suggest by Neil Patel, who is a really great SEO guru who I have learned so much from. And his tool is really, really great for doing keyword research and actually getting that data on how many people are searching for various words and phrases every month. And having that data, knowing, you know, feeling confident that when you use these words on your site, that people are actually searching for them is really, really important. Amazing. And we'll make sure that we put links to all of these things in the show notes for people who are listening in the car or on the treadmill or whatever. Don't worry, just like pop over to the show notes and we'll have everything linked up there. Hi, change of subject for a quick sec. Do you ever dream of getting famous with media coverage to skyrocket your success, but you stop right there because you just don't think you're ready for it? Or do you think getting media coverage is only for media insiders? Well, it's not. Getting media coverage doesn't require fancy skills, and contrary to popular belief, you don't have to have an epic story or hire a publicist to get your name and business in the media. Anyone, and yes, that means you listening right now, can get media coverage and, spoiler alert, you can do it yourself. It isn't that hard and it doesn't have to cost you a bunch in publicist fees. In fact, my own rock star publicist, Crystal Richard, is here to teach you how. She is an entrepreneur and a global publicist who has designed digital PR school to teach entrepreneurs and small business owners just like you the exact steps you need to take to do it yourself. When you graduate from digital PR school, you'll not only have everything you need to make yourself famous, but you'll have all the right moves to be popular with the media. From company features to podcast interviews to TV segments, you've got gold stars and coverage in your future. Enrollment is open from December 1st until December 15th, and trust me when I say you don't want to be late for this class. Learn more at www.crystalrichard.com and save 15% on the price of enrollment when you use the promo code Workshop Weekly. That's www.crystalrichard.com and use the code Workshop Weekly. I'll see you in class. All right, step four is what I like to call what search bots want. <laughs> 
So we know where we stand now. We know who our customers are. We know the words they're using to search online. So now is when we need to worry about search bots, right? So search bots are those little creatures (laughs) that crawl the internet when we type something into Google and find the websites that we want to find. So a lot of times people make the mistake of thinking about search bots first. That's all they really think about. They think about the algorithm. They think about the bus. They want to serve the algorithm and get their website found. But there's a reason that I put this on step four. So close to the end of my five-step system. And it's because we need to be serving humans. Even though we want the algorithm to find our website, we want it to find our website and deliver it to humans. And so if you want your website to really be effective, you need to focus on the humans. Because even if your website is found, it's not necessarily going to convert into sales or into new business if it's robotic, if it's not engaging. And so that's why I focus on the human side of things first before starting to think about search bots. But of course, you know, the algorithm is important. So we need to think about how we appease these search bots and (laughs) convince them to show our website to the people who are searching online for what we do. So at a very basic level, search bots give extra weight to keywords that are used in certain areas of our website. So your best chance for ranking more highly in Google is to do that keyword research. And then once you have the keywords and phrases you know you want to use in your site, to use them strategically in specific areas of each page of your site. So in your URL of each of your pages, in your page title, in your page description. These are two things that control how your website actually looks in a search result. So we've probably all seen, you know, when you search for something, all your results come up with a title, a URL, and a little blurb about that site. Making sure that you're using those keywords in those areas is really, really important. Making sure that your primary keyword for each page is in the first paragraph of your on-page copy. Making sure that you're using it frequently throughout that page making sure that you're using your keywords in your headings and subheadings on your page, in all of your image alt text. All of those areas are places that search bots look to figure out what your website or your web page is all about. And so you want to make sure that you're making it really, really clear by using those keywords that you've researched in those areas and be able to tell the search bots, hey, this is what my page is all about. This is who you should show it to put me on the first page. (laughs) Got it. So I know when you mentioned like alt text on photos and things like that, as a total SEO rookie, (laughs) I'll say, (laughs) often I notice that that's really just what the photo is called. So in my case, there's a lot of screenshot.com or whatever (laughs) on the back end of my alt text. But what's the best thing to put there? Like, should I be putting, let's say if I have this lawn care business, should I be putting pet safe lawn care behind those images? Or should I be describing the images? Yeah, that's a great question. So what I always recommend to people is the actual file name of your images 
make sure that they include whatever your primary keyword is for that page. So we'll use the organic lawn care example. Let's say we're using pet safe lawn care as our keyword. Then I would call your image like pet safe lawn care one, pet safe lawn care two. Okay. That's how you can name your actual image files. When it comes to the alt text, which for anybody who's not aware, typically when you upload a photo to your website that you're going to use on your page, there's an opportunity when you upload it to add alt text. Where you actually do that will vary for each website, but usually it's done when you're actually uploading the photo. And for those, I usually recommend you want to use that keyword, but you want to do it in a way that is describing the image because... What alt text is really meant for is for people who have visual impairment, right? So their website or their computer will actually read that text out to them so they know what images are on the page. So it needs to also be descriptive. So if I had an image of someone pushing a lawnmower across a pet safe lawn, then I might my alt text might be worker mowing pet safe lawn or something like that. So it's still describing the image, but it's using those keywords as well. Got it. Cool. Okay. All right. We are on to step five. So step five is to think beyond your website. I know we just spent all this time focusing on your website, but (laughs) it's not your website itself is not the only thing you need to think about when it comes to finding search engine optimization success. Especially when it comes to those sort of static evergreen web pages, your homepage, your about page, your contact page, all of those things are important and should be optimized. But you need to think beyond that. So one thing that I recommend people do is blog. A lot of times when I say, okay, you need to start a blog now, my clients are like, oh my gosh, no, <laughs> I already have so much going on. I could not possibly... It's going to be a waste of time. And my answer to that is, yeah, it will be a waste of time if you don't do it in a strategic way. A lot of times when businesses start blogs, they just sort of are like, okay, what do I feel like writing about today? Or let's share my Chamber of Commerce award or you know, let's do an employee highlight or whatever. And those things are nice, kind of, but... They're not going to grow your business. They're not going to have an impact on how much money you're making. And so in that way, they are sort of a waste of time. So I always say, if you're going to start a blog, you need to do it well. When it comes to SEO, I recommend people let keyword research be your guide. The way that I work with my clients, they literally never have to come up with their own blog post topic ever again because they do keyword research to see what people are already searching for, what questions they're asking to Google. And then they just answer those questions and they write about those topics. And they, one, don't have to come up with their own blog post ideas. And two, they're writing content that they know is not going to be a waste of time because they know that it is serving questions that people are already asking online. And so that can be a really, really good strategy. And then when you blog, it also helps you get more links back to your website, which are called backlinks. Backlinks are a really, really important part of SEO. Google's algorithm wants to see that your website is high quality, that it is considered an authority in your market. And the way that Google will know that is if other people, other websites are linking to your site. So when you create blog posts, when you create highly shareable content, you're just naturally going to get more links back to your website from people sharing that blog 
on social media or sharing that blog on their own site. And so blogging in general can be just such a good strategy to get more of that attention, to give you more content as a business owner to share on your own social media, but then also get more opportunities for links back to your website as well. Absolutely. It makes so much sense. And when you described how some businesses do blogs, I could immediately picture the businesses who, you know, like shared the award that their staff got for the local chamber. And then that was in 2018 and they haven't shared anything since. So I guess it's one of those things. If you're going to start blogging, stick with it because otherwise it kind of looks like a gaping hole on your website. But I love that you gave a suggestion of where to start. And if keyword research freaks you out, just think about what your actual clients are asking you day to day. Like what are questions that you're answering on repeat and write a blog post about it because it'll serve two things. It's going to make your SEO awesome, but also it's probably going to save you some time having to answer that question when you can just say, oh, hey, here's an article I wrote about that. (laughs) Head over and read it. (laughs) Absolutely. That is a really, really good strategy. If people are asking you a question, they've probably already asked Google first. So that is a really good strategy. And Google actually has a section that pops up in search results called People Also Ask. People have probably seen it before. But it's a section that will pop up of literal questions that people ask on Google. And that is a really good source for blog post topics as well. You know, you just type in some phrase related to your business and see what shows up in that people also ask box and just answer those questions. There, you've got like five blog posts. Oh, I love it. I love that. I, I can't be- I'm going to do that today. I haven't thought of using that before, but I always click on those people also ask because I'm like, oh, that's a better way to word it. <laughs> Amazing. So do you have any other SEO tips? Is like you've described your five-step system. Maybe just run through those steps really quickly again for anybody who's sort of lost sight of what step number one was. Yes, absolutely. So step number one is know where you at. So understand what your website stats are already showing you, how much traffic you already have, what that traffic is doing on your site. Step two, know who you serve. So just really knowing who your ideal client or customer is, what they care about, what their problem is. Step three, do your keyword research. So don't assume you know what someone's searching for, actually doing the research to make sure that you're using the right words and phrases on your site. Step four, what search bots want. So understanding Google's algorithm, making sure that you're using those keywords that you found in really strategic ways. And then step five is just to think beyond your you know, static website pages. Think about blogging. Think about ways to get more links back to your website. I love it. So I always like to finish up these episodes with what's the one thing that listeners can do today to improve their SEO. I already have an idea of what I'm going to do today, but I'm wondering what you'd like to share with listeners as one thing that they can do when this podcast ends to get their SEO ranks a little higher on Google. Absolutely. So one of the things that I always like to recommend people do is to do a little bit of competitor research. It's always surprising to me how few people really spend any time looking at their direct competitors and those competitors' websites. A lot of times my clients come to me and they say like, oh, this one website is always outranking me. They always show up on the first page of Google and I can never catch them. But they haven't actually spent a lot of time analyzing that business's website. 
And so if there are other businesses that are always ahead of you in search results, they're probably doing something right. And so I always recommend go to their website, see what they're doing that is differently from you. You don't have to do everything that they're doing, but maybe they're using words and phrases that you've never thought of using before. And maybe that's what's working for them. Maybe they have a frequently asked questions page on their site that has lots of good resources for people who are searching for your product or service. Looking at their site, you can get lots of really good ideas and sort of figure out what may be working for them that you could apply to your own website. It's not... People always feel uncomfortable about it. It's not cheating. It's not copying. You're not copying and pasting anything from their site. It's just... You know, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. You can see what's working for other people and apply it to your own business and your own website. Amazing. So Danielle, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I am most active on Instagram. I am at elevate underscore marketing, which is my business name. And then my website is elevatevirtualmarketing.com. Amazing. Danielle, I appreciate you spending the time to chat with us about SEO today so much. I have learned things today. I'm already going to take what you've taught me and create a revised content calendar for, let's say, starting in 2021, because that's going to be the year where things really turn around for us, right? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Thank you so, so much. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. It was so much fun. Okay, so it's not as crazy complicated as you might have originally thought, right? I really love the idea of just taking frequently asked questions or checking out the people also ask section of Google and writing a post for each of those. Heck, you probably are already answering these questions every day in your business anyway. Next time, pop on the dictation tool on your phone and record it into a Word doc and then have someone format it for you later. The point is, it doesn't have to take you a ton of time and it doesn't have to be complicated. I love that Danielle broke it down in a way that was super digestible and actionable so that you can get to work refining your SEO strategy and ramping up the likelihood that you will be found by your dream clients in their Google searches. For links to the resources mentioned in this episode, including how to connect with Danielle, please visit the show notes at kellylawson.ca slash 042. And once again, I got to hang out in your earbuds or your car stereo or your Google Mini or however you are tuning in today. And I am so grateful for that. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you so much. So until next week, go clean up that alt text on your website, okay? (laughs) Okay, bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic is too small. If you like our show and want to know more, check out www.theworkshopweekly.com or leave a review on iTunes. And we'll see you next week for another action-packed episode, you workshop warrior you.